Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by my favorite college in America, Hillsdale College, which proudly refuses every penny of government funding to remain independent. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. It's all quiet in the underground bunker. Doors closed, locks bolted. But the great one isn't just resting on his laurels. He's making sure your weekend is even better by giving you his best. This is the best of Mark Levin. You know, folks, you watch these video shots, what goes on in Chicago, what went on in Compton. A couple months ago, Philadelphia goes on in L.A. and New York and on and on and on. The fact is you can deal with this crime. But these radical left-wing Marxist Democrats do not want to deal with this crime. They don't care how many people are hurt, how many people are killed and raped and otherwise maimed. They don't care how many stores leave their city means nothing to them because they were born out of the ideology they came up through the ideology most of them have never worked a day in their lives they've always been involved in community activism and so forth and that's what we know now how do you stop it overwhelming force virtually every metropolitan police department needs 30 to 50 percent more police officers. If not more. They should be highly trained. They should be very well paid. They should be properly outfitted. There needs to be more jail space. You start rounding, uh, rounding up criminals and throwing them in jail. That's what you do. You bring down the hammer. That's how you stop crime. It's nothing to do with parents and video games and all the rest. The fact of the matter is, if you don't have significant punishment, punishment that is swift and severe, then this continues. They can talk about guns. They can talk about poverty. We've always had poverty and we've always had guns. In fact, it wasn't that long ago where we didn't have a massive welfare state and we didn't have many gun laws either. And we didn't have this much crime. It's a big issue. There are ways to address this. Lori Lightfoot, she says these violent rioters, it's wrong to say it's mayhem. It's not mayhem. Brandon Johnson, the Cook County Commissioner, who's now the mayor-elect, he won't even condemn the looting. He says people are desperate. Now, I will just say this. The people of Chicago voted for Brandon Johnson, and now they're going to suffer. They're going to suffer. 
That's what's going to happen. But you have a right to vote these people out, and when you vote them in, you're committing societal suicide. Because there is a way to deal with this. There is a way to fix this. And that is muscle up the police forces. Arrest the the uh, criminals. Put them in jail. Part of the problem is, and the police chief in Washington, D.C., who's a good man, talks about this. He's African-American as well. That the prosecutors and the judges won't keep them in jail. Our entire law enforcement system has in key positions radical leftists who used to be defense lawyers, used to work at the ACLU or something like that. Now they have secreted themselves into the judiciary and even into prosecutors' offices. Prime examples, even in the suburbs, in Loudoun County, Virginia. You've heard about the schools in Loudoun County, Virginia? Loudoun County, Virginia may still be one of the wealthiest counties in America. And so you have a fusion of radical left-wing elitists with individuals. They're not the mob, but they are a large number of people, regardless of race who also believe in big government. So I'll call it the mob, whatever you want to call it. So they elect this woman by the smallest of margins. First thing she announces that, like all the source prosecutors, anybody who steals, I think it was over a thousand, uh, under $1,000, whatever the number was, will not be charged. They won't be charged. You know, people like Joy Reid, reprobates, who are hosts on MSLSD and the Crap News Network. But Joy Reid, I remember some time ago, she said that property crimes shouldn't really be crimes. Something to that effect. And as you know, the founding of the nation, property was crucial. And many of you work very, very hard for your property, for your homes for your vehicles, for everything you have. You've earned it. You've worked for it. Nobody gave it to you. It represents what you do when you get up early in the morning and go home in the evening or somewhat late at night. You paid for it. It's your possession. If somebody steals from you, they're taking your money, they're taking your labor. As I say, you worked for these things. You earned them. Somebody else didn't. Changes the entire psychology of the community. The entire psychology of the community. So you need to ask yourselves. Does the Democrat Party, and do so many Democrat voters, do they share the same mentality as the rest of us, that is, that they want safety? We do. That they want 
criminals put away, taken off the streets, safe families? Because honestly, if you vote Democrat today in a city, you can't possibly support any of those things. You simply cannot. Joe Biden likes to say that the Republicans in Washington, D.C. voted against funding police. But Joe Joe Biden is another sleazy liar, as you must be to be an elected Democrat. You have to be a sleazy liar. The Republicans never voted against funding police. He's talking about his $1.7 trillion Inflation Reduction Act, which was a kill capitalism degrowth movement, an increase inflation act, which was mostly about climate change, with a provision in there, monies to be given to cities and states to spend as they see fit. And so what Joe Biden says is that was evidence of the Republicans voting against a Democrat bill that would fund police. Is that not ridiculous? The issue is not that the cities lack money to fund police. When they defunded police or slashed their budgets and their numbers, they took the money away from them. It was never a question of having or not having money. They didn't want to give them money. That was the issue. So there are ways to address this. Effectively. Giuliani did it. Bloomberg did it in New York. And other mayors have done it. And other governors have done it. The fact is, you have billionaires like Soros... You have billionaire Democrats who do not have to live where all this hellish activity is taking place, and they don't. Who live far away from it all. Maybe not even in our country most of the time. Maybe not even in our country. Felonies in New York City, 102,000 in 2021, 122,000 in 2022. Felonies downgraded to misdemeanors 52% of the time in 2022. Felony cases declined to prosecute 1,119 last year. That's Alvin Bragg. And the Democrats and their media keep telling you that crime is going down in New York. It's going down in New York? Is that why 10,000 to 12,000 people are leaving every month? So the Democrats don't even say, you know, we made mistakes here. We've got to alter what we're doing, modify our policy. No. They lie. Because they're ideologues. And so there'll continue to be anarchy, mayhem, chaos, death, impoverishment, lack of employment, lack of schooling. It's only going to get worse. And so many wealthy people of every race, but wealthy people who could be role models to try and fight this, to stop mouthing the Democrat Party line like the LeBron Jameses of the world, to stop blaming people who have nothing to do with it 
and to start blaming people who have everything to do with it. They could help, but they don't want to. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Making your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. What happened at the FBI? Now, neither I nor a book review can do a book justice. But I want to ask you, Mr. Producer, the fall of the FBI is written by Thomas Baker. We should have him on the program, see if we can grab him next week. And we can talk to him directly. This isn't just some former FBI agent. This gentleman, well, he was the legal attache to the U.S. Embassy in France, as pointed out by Glenn Beaton. Why does that matter? When Princess Di was killed in a car crash in Paris, remember? And... Uh, so he was in the neighborhood, and he sped to the scene, arriving just minutes later. He became in charge of the investigation. And as this review says, he was cross-examined by infamous lawyer F. Lee Bailey in the trial of a mobster. Bailey lost that case. You get the flavor. It's a real-life story, something like the stories that we remember on TV, the FBI, remember that, Ephraim Simbolist Jr.? The rest of the book describes the sad decline in the culture of the Bureau. Baker traces it to 9-11. The director at the time during 9-11 was Robert Mueller. The same Mueller who years later supervised the investigation of President Trump for allegations of colluding with the Russians. Allegations that were ultimately shown to be as groundless as they were explosive. He and his counterpart at the CIA were summoned to the White House to brief President George W. Bush days after the 9-11 attack. And Mueller explained to the President what the Bureau was doing to identify the perpetrators, exactly what the Bureau was supposed to do. Frustrated with Mueller and understandably still upset by the horrific terrorism, Bush snapped that he... He just wanted to make sure it didn't happen again. The CIA director then told Bush what his agency was doing to make sure it didn't. Mueller left humiliated. 
His takeaway was that the Bureau needed to shift focus toward intelligence gathering, even if it meant sacrificing resources for law enforcement. The Bureau became fewer cops and more spies. And Mueller's successor was the notorious James Comey, whom Baker calls a charlatan, whose tenure as director was a disaster for the Bureau, Baker writes. Baker's indisputably right, even if you consider only the Bureau's reputation. But Baker points out that the disaster extends beyond reputation and well into substance. Comey had all of Mueller's bad instincts for centralization and control by bureaucrats and more. Comey seldom got into the nitty-gritty of the Bureau of Work, but instead floated above it all. Baker didn't use the word, but I will, the review says. Comey was lazy. Like many lazy people, he was also arrogant. Arrogant in thinking he was so smart he could do the job without working hard. It was obvious from any of his pompous speeches that what he loved most was attention. This guy's got it right on, Glenn Beaton. It was the laziest, the laziness, arrogance. <laughs> Let me try it again. It was the laziness, arrogance, and attention craving that led Comey to substitute his political leanings, his hatred for Trump, for professional law enforcement procedures that were respectful of the legal process and required quiet, hard work within it. Comey had a political agenda to get Trump. And he figured his agenda was a good and right one, and that the ends he uncovered in an investigation by the newly intelligence-driven FBI, namely the Russian collusion, he wishfully thought had taken place, would ultimately justify the dishonesty and laziness of his means of uncovering it. He imagined that in doing so, he would be a public hero who might even make the spooks at the CIA a little jealous. He was proven wrong. Mueller, in his history, unequivocally decided there was no Russian collusion. Comey's no hero. And the only scandal was the investigation itself, a scandal that respected prosecutor John Dorham has been in turn investigating for a very long time. Baker's too modest to expand his book about the rotting culture of the FBI. <laughs> And do a commentary about society in general. But I'm not, writes the author of the review. Like Comey, the left and increasingly mainstream Democrats have decided that their political opponents are not only mistaken but illegitimate. Democrats coddle criminals and want to exterminate Republicans. In the end, they seek one-party rule, something I've been talking about now for several years. And there's no question about it. And they are willing to employ any means to achieve that end. In America's major cities, they've already achieved it, and we see the results. Woefully blind to basic notions of honesty and fair play, and incapable of the art of persuasion, they instead riot, shout down speakers, cancel careers, make death threats against Supreme Court justices after slandering them with false allegations. They circumvent both the political and legal process by fabricating wild and defamatory pee-pee stories, tricking judges into approving illegal surveillance, and employing <laughs> the firepower of the FBI. 
Their unscrupulous allies in the so-called news media report their defamatory accusations on page 1. But report the debunking of them on page 19, if at all. And so, Tom Baker has written this book, and we're going to have, we'll see if we can get Tom Baker on the program to discuss this. <clears throat> and it's gotten worse since, has it? <laughs> it's gotten much worse since. And one day the book will be written about how they've been treating the former president, Trump. Little good it'll do us today. Little good it'll do the country today. Because the gentleman's right. He's right. And I've been saying this for years, which is the, what's going on at the FBI is illustrative of what's going on throughout the country. The abuse of institutions, the rejection of traditions and customs, the lawlessness, the attack on society and the culture, the effort to bring the whole system down. I'm gratified by one thing. People are more and more using the word Marxist. I hear President Trump use it. I hear members of Congress now using it. We can't play games. We can't play patty cakes here, folks. We cannot save ourselves or even have a shot at it if we don't acknowledge what we're up against and speak the truth about it. The FBI is now in many respects, a dangerous organization. And I can assure you the things that I am telling you on the air to millions of you has not lost their attention, Mr. Producer. I'm considered without question one of the enemies of the state, and yet I love and adore the country and the Constitution. I posted something today on social media that we've talked about before. And I'm going to get an answer to this. 13 of my email messages wound up in the hands of the government. The Democrat Party. The Never Trumpers on the January 6th committee. There had been a subpoena of documents against John Eastman. A couple of these, or if not all of them, most of them of these emails reflected a debate he and I were having over the Constitution, a discussion utterly benign to the events of January 6th. Really nothing to do with them. And uh, <clears throat> Eastman had not turned those documents over to anybody yet. He was fighting their release. So it wasn't him and it wasn't his lawyers and it wasn't his eventual release. So where did they get them from? I know they had them because a lawyer for Fox told me that the committee said they had them. These are police state tactics. These are the tactics of the Stasi. These are the tactics of the modern Democrat Party. They use a committee hearing to somehow access my email. For all I know, they access all my data. I have no idea. The issue isn't I have nothing to hide and that sort of thing. The issue is we're in America. 
And these people who claim to be defending democracy, they don't even know what they're defending. They're defending, if they claim, republicanism, but nonetheless, defending democracy against Donald Trump and MAGA and all the rest. These people are destroying it. And the Democrats go along, the ACLU's perfectly happy, the ADL's perfectly happy, the whole alphabet soup, no problem, because all Democrats. And all these anti-American activities are being undertaken by Democrats. Meanwhile, the Biden crime family, it's just unbelievable what these people get away with. Congressional probe uncovers ties between Biden campaign security letter dismissing Hunter laptop. Which is something that makes sense, but, you know, you got to determine it. Got to get the evidence. So the Biden campaign was probably behind the security letter, which attempted to mislead the American people, that the Russians were behind the laptop story. Does that bother anybody out there? Does that bother anybody out there? Republicans now believe the letter that falsely portrayed laptop as disinformation was a consequential interference in the last presidential election. Aided by two Obama-era witnesses. Two Obama-era witnesses. Congressional investigators led by House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan have developed the first evidence that a letter from security experts that falsely dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation during the 2020 election. And by the way, every major news organization ran with that, including the New York Slimes, had ties to Joe Biden's presidential election. Jordan told Just the News he expects to release a report from the House panel on weaponization of government towards the end of the month that lays out evidence and the players behind the letter, which many Republicans now say was consequential interference in the last presidential election. Clearly, you look at the interference in the election by the FBI, by the Democrats, by the media, it's just incredible. It was all done with politics, and it looks like there was some real connections with the Biden campaign, Jordan said during an interview with John Solomon. For most of the last two years, the letter from 51 national security officials. You remember that letter? That was intended to blow smoke. Has been portrayed as an organic effort from the intelligence community. I don't believe in organic efforts. Remember that National School Board Association letter? That actually came from White House staff and Department of Justice staff and Department of Education staff? as well as the teachers' unions working very closely with the National School Board Association. None of this stuff is organic. It's to raise concerns that the emergence of Hunter Biden's laptop in the fall 2020 could be tied to a foreign power, meaning Russia. But it's been proven authentic. The office of the director of the National Intelligence has said it did not involve a foreign disinformation campaign. You know... John Ratcliffe said that early on, from day one. He was the acting director of the National Intelligence Office. But before the letter was debunked, it was used to censor stories online, used to censor the New York Post, 
Just the news and other outlets and what has been described by former President Donald Trump, Jordan and many others as interference in the election. And I also remember our friends at uh, the Media Research Center, our buddy Brent Bozell has made it clear that they looked at all the numbers and they said that, look, had this been known, had the contents been known, Joe Biden, our putative president, would not even have been a putative president. He would have lost. Jordan said his investigators have derived valuable information from transcribed interviews from two former CIA officials from the Obama era. Former acting director Mike Morrell and Nick Shapiro, a former advisor to ex-director John Brennan. It seems to me that one of the key players here is Mike Morrell, that he was one of a kind of coordinating this, working this together, Jordan said. Then there are a few other folks. We've talked to Nick Shapiro. Shapiro, I think, was the one kind of coordinating the outreach to the legacy media and how they wanted this story presented. So much of what you see are lies. Morrell currently works at, as a contributor at CBS News. Shapiro, who worked as former President Obama's national security spokesman before rising to deputy CIA director under Brennan, did not respond to comments. Jordan said the specific ties of the Biden campaign will be divulged in the interim report. And what do you think the media are going to do with that report, America? Think they're going to ignore it? Oh, it's just the Republicans. Isn't it amazing? The Republicans control the House. They're doing a tremendous job on these investigations. They're gathering all kinds of crucial information. But people who read the New York Times and the Washington Post, people who watch the network nightly news programs, people who watch Meet the Depressed or Deface the Nation or the rest of them, they never hear about them. They don't know a thing about them. Nothing. Same with the people who watch the very bizarre-looking Joe Scarborough with his bulbous W.C. Fields nose. And I say that not to attack him or to be critical, but just to point out the obvious, Mr. Producer, no? Mark Levin. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games. You're listening to the best of Mark Levin. There is truly a big breaking story tonight. And I will cite it from the Washington Examiner. Hunter Biden investigation infected by politics and preferential treatment, says a senior IRS official seeking whistleblower status by Jerry Dunleavy. And this is now being picked up everywhere. Because this is a serious supervisory special agent of the IRS criminal division. He's a career employee. It's a bombshell. 
An IRS agent is seeking whistleblower protections and alleging that the criminal investigation into Hunter Biden has been infected by politics and preferential treatment. The bombshell whistleblower claims come from a career IRS criminal supervisory special agent who says he's been overseeing, quote, the ongoing and sensitive investigation, unquote, of a high-profile and controversial subject since early 2020. A source familiar with the letter told the Washington Examiner that this is about President Joe Biden's son who's being investigated for several potential crimes. The whistleblower's lawyer, Mark Little, sent a letter to the heads of multiple House and Senate committees telling them his client's protected disclosures lay out examples of preferential treatment in politics, improperly infecting decisions, I'm quoting, and protocols that would normally be followed by career law enforcement professionals in similar circumstances if the subject were not politically connected, quote-unquote. The IRS agent's allegations also, quote, contradict sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee, unquote. This is their letter. And, quote, involved failure to mitigate clear conflicts of interest in the ultimate disposition of the case against Hunter Biden. The whistleblower's lawyer said the IRS agent had also made already legally protected disclosures internally at the IRS, as well as the Treasury Department's Inspector General for Tax Administration and the Justice Department's Inspector General. Republicans have long contended that Hunter Biden's lucrative business dealings in Ukraine and China indicate he may have committed crimes related to foreign lobbying or money laundering or taxes, although recent reports have indicated federal investigations may have narrowed the focus of the Biden's investigation to tax fraud in 2016 and 2017 and lying on a federal form when purchasing a handgun in 2018. Both are potential felonies that could lead to prison time if pursued by the Department of Justice. Gee, I wonder how the judges in Washington, D.C. would treat it. It's up to U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a Trump-appointed holdover, who's doing a crappy job so far, and the Delaware prosecutor overseeing the case to decide whether to indict the president's son. And it goes on. Although the Justice Department indicting the son of a sitting president would be a major development, the bigger questions remain whether the department has been considering more significant charges tied to money laundering and foreign lobbying, and whether investigators have been looking into the national security implications of Hunter Biden's overseas business dealings, especially his association with businessmen linked to communist Chinese intel. Now here's where I come on this. How do you constrict or contain an investigation of Hunter Biden and not look into his father? How is that possible? It really isn't. And I've been contending here from day one that the Department of Injustice has been covering up for Joe Biden and they're going to continue to do so. I spoke to you last week about how the Biden White House was involved in the so-called documents investigation of Donald Trump 
and the Democrat Party's tentacles? Other than here, have you heard that anywhere else? No, you haven't. Because people don't care, they just drop it. But I care. But I care. And how the Democrat Party was, was really behind what was taking place with Alvin Bragg, which is why you saw them defending him and, what, and what's been taking place in New York during that hearing yesterday. But now we have a senior career IRS criminal supervisory special agent who wants whistleblower status literally puts his career on the line or hers seeks whistleblower status goes to an outside special lawyer involved in such things that's how bad the situation is at the IRS and the Treasury Department in terms of investigating Hunter Biden And I'm sure that's how bad it is in terms of investigating Joe Biden. Where there is a, the only wall these guys built are the wall to protect Joe Biden. They built a wall around him to protect him from criminal investigation. Really quite outrageous. So this is breaking news. Hunter Biden investigation infected by politics and preferential treatment, says an IRS whistleblower. Seeking whistleblower official legal status. And this whistleblower has said that he's, he's raised concerns with the Inspector General of Justice. He's raised concerns with the Treasury Department. He's raised concerns with others. He's getting nowhere. Nowhere. He's raised it with the Treasury Department's Inspector General. He's raised it with the Justice Department's Inspector General. Legally protected disclosures, and now he says, I got to go to Congress. This is just, uh, this is unacceptable. Republicans would likely very much be disappointed, it says here, in minimal charges brought against Hunter Biden. Shouldn't be minimal charges brought against Hunter Biden. Chuck Rassley says, Based on recent protected disclosures to my office, the FBI has within its possession significant, impactful, and voluminous evidence with respect to potential criminal conduct by Hunter Biden. And he said that in an October 2022 letter to Garland, to Christopher Wray, and to this U.S. Attorney Vice. They have everything they need to charge, convict, and throw Hunter Biden in prison while they're busy chasing the January 6th paraders. And this goes well beyond, and that's why the Republicans are really digging in here, because they know that this leads to Papa. And I see that Robert Kennedy Jr. has, has announced that he's running for president. Let me tell you something. He could become a very, very serious candidate in a very short period of time. No other serious Democrat. I, don't, I forget the woman's name. She's not serious. Williamson or something? Marianne Williamson. There you go. But Robert Kennedy Jr. 
even though he has some flaky ideas, he's not a flake. Joe Biden is a flake with flaky ideas. There's a difference. But he could become a serious challenger. Just because so many Democrats are sick and tired of Joe Biden. I'm not talking about the ruling class. They love Joe Biden. They've known Joe Biden for the longest time. I'm talking about voters. Joe Biden's popularity is uh, it's about as high as uh, Raul Castro. Well, in some parts of our country, that would be very high, but I'm talking about South Florida. The corruption in this Biden administration is incredibly significant, which is why the Democrats are doing everything they can to sabotage every hearing to look into these matters. Over at Blaze Media, the Afghanistan Inspector General reveals taxpayer money is flowing to the Taliban, and the Biden administration is guilty, quote, of unprecedented obstruction. See the pattern? John Sopko, S-O-P-K-O, Special Inspector General for Afghanistan Reconstruction, told Congress today that taxpayer dollars are flowing into the Taliban's pockets. The shocking admission was made during a House Oversight Committee hearing about the Biden administration's disastrous and deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan in August 2021. This is from Chris and Lowe at The Blaze. Quote, unfortunately, as I sit here today, I cannot assure this committee or the American taxpayer that we are not currently funding the Taliban, nor can I assure you that the Taliban are not diverting the money we are sending from the intended recipients, which are the poor Afghan people. Sopko explained that obstruction from the State Department and the U.S. Agency for International Development in the Biden administration has been, quote, unprecedented, unquote. He said both agencies have demonstrated and, quote, abject refusal to allow oversight, unquote, of the billions of taxpayer dollars that have been sent to Afghanistan. Sapco later said, I don't trust the Taliban as far as you can throw them. The information we're getting, again, not from the State Department, who isn't talking to us, or USAID, is the Taliban is already diverting funds. Here is the special investigator, the special inspector general. That's his job. He's the inspector general to get to the bottom of what's taking place. And he's be obstructed by Blinken's State Department and USAID, USAID, Agency for International Development. You've got a senior supervisory IRS criminal investigator who seeks whistleblower status because his investigation of Hunter Biden is being obstructed by a political appointee from the Biden administration. Sapko said, I would just say, I haven't seen a starving Taliban fighter on TV. They all seem to be fat, dumb, and happy. I see a lot of starving Afghan children on TV, so I'm wondering where all this funding is going. According to his testimony, the U.S. has made available to Afghanistan more than $8 billion since the withdrawal less than two years ago. Why are we giving them anything? They're the enemy. Biden takes our money and throws it around. Throughout his testimony, Sapko repeatedly returned to the Biden administration's obstruction. 
In fact, he said Seiger, that's his office, has not heard from, quote, anybody in the administration, really, and said the routine meetings with top government and military leaders that happened in previous in the previous administration have ceased under Biden. So they occurred under Trump. They've ceased under Biden. Now it's just radio silence, he said. Sapko's eye-opening testimony came about two weeks after the Biden administration released its after-action report about the Afghanistan withdrawal. The report attempted to blame former President Donald Trump for what happened under Biden's watch, completely absolving Biden's administration. And that blame game continued prior to the hearing, CNN reported. The White House is denying they are obstructing SAPCO's oversight efforts, by the way. Liars, thieves, corrupt obstructors. These are career people. Well, they guts to come forward. We have FBI, some career whist- people coming whistleblowers who have guts to come forward. At the IRS, now a key senior supervisory criminal investigator, a civil servant, the guts to come forward seeking whistleblower status. Now we have the in- special inspector general with the guts to come forward. Who's being obstructed? Who's being obstructed? By the Department of State and AID, which is part of the Department of State. Did you know that we've given $8 billion to the Taliban since our surrender two years ago? Did you know that? I didn't know that. $8 billion? No wonder our enemies think we're weak, because we are. No wonder our enemies on the move, because now's the time. They're not stupid. Stupid is the people who vote for Joe Biden and the Democrats. That's stupid. You got to hate our country if you vote for Joe Biden. You really do. Now, I know that Robert Kennedy Jr., I know that he's no Barry Goldwater. I know he's a lib. But I also know this guy has the potential, I think, not being a Democrat, but at least has the potential to make some inroads here. Because I don't like most Americans, other than Democrats who serve on these committees, are happy with the way that Joe Biden surrendered. And by the way, there's still hundreds, if not thousands, of American prisoners over there. Mark Levin. The Great One makes your weekend even better. This is the best of Mark Levin. But you have, we have a thousand billionaires in America. You know the average tax rate they pay? Eight, E-I-G-H percent. Eight percent. <laughs> Eight, E-I-G-H percent. Not E-I-G-H-T. E-I-G-H, they pay 8% billionaires in taxes. And tell me, on your S-corporations that you sent up to cover up your, uh, your communist Chinese money, Mr. President, what percentage did you pay on that? 
he sets up two S corporations, he and Dr. Jill. They set them up so they don't have to pay Obamacare taxes and Medicare taxes. So he paid zero on all the funds that flowed through the S corporations. He's never released the tax returns on those S corporations. You know how much they paid? Zero. Z-E-R. Zero. Now, ladies and gentlemen, here's the thing. Do you think the federal government has enough money? He says the average billionaire, we have 1000 and pays 8% on their federal income taxes. Now, why is that deceiving? Because you might have corporations that are paying zero. Why? Because they lost money during the pandemic. They don't have net income on which to pay federal income taxes. So it's all a game. It's all very, very deceiving. Our problem in this country isn't taxes and tax rates. Our problem in the country is even if you give them everything they want, it's not going to be enough. Even if you give them 100%, it's not going to be enough. Because the Democrat Party exists by stealing money from you in the private sector and spending it themselves. So there's Biden at the major economics forum at the White House today. What it should be called is the major economics illiteracy forum because he's a moron. But that said, I want you to hear some of the things he has to say. Cut to go. With these actions, the United States is on track to achieve a 1.5 degree aligned goal of cutting emissions by 50 to 52 percent by 20. He has no idea what he's saying. None. Yeah. The U.S. is on track to achieve a 1.5 degree aligned goal or cutting emissions by 50 to 52 percent by 2030. Does anybody have any idea what that means? And what is that based on? Which research? Which scientist? Where does this come from, this stuff? It comes from nowhere. Nowhere. I remember when everybody cared about the Amazon. Everybody here remember when they cared about the Amazon? I remember when they did. And remember, it was global cooling and the Amazon's dying. By the way, I am broadcasting from the Ronald Reagan Ranch Center in the middle of Liberalville, Santa Barbara. This is a fantastic place. I'm sitting here looking at President Reagan's Jeep that he used at his ranch. I'll be at the ranch tomorrow for a huge event, 25th anniversary of the Young Americans Foundation, YAF, uh, acquiring the property, which could have been sold to some private developer or something, but they came in and they saved it. Uh, and if you folks want to learn more about this uh, conference center, it's unbelievable. You can actually come here free of charge. You go to yaf.org, yaf.org. It's one of our great sponsors as well. And there's other things I'm looking at here. Uh, the chair that President Reagan sat in when he made calls to heads of state. Just all kinds of cool things. A big chunk of the wall that came down uh, in Berlin. Uh, maybe we can use that on the southern border. Maybe we can use a piece of that. That wall seemed to work, didn't it? Uh, but in any event, uh, that's where I am. The people here are great. And uh, we have a great event tomorrow, and I just wanted you to be aware of that. That's yaf.org, Y-A-F.org, um, which is F-A-Y, spelled backwards, Fay, right? Nobody cares. All right. So there's Biden talking about uh, by 50, 52 percent or 20. 
one and a half degree aligned goal. I don't know what that means, but how do they think that they can predict weather by 2030? I don't care how much carbon we squeeze out of the atmosphere. And as we've discussed before, do you know how, what percentage carbon is of the atmosphere? Does anybody here know? Matt, Matt's with me, the engineer. Do you know, Matt? Matt, come on now. 0.004%. We got to get that down, you see, by 50 to 52%. Now, if we eliminate all carbon, human beings are dead. Do you know why? Who here took third grade science? It's called intaking oxygen, exhaling carbon dioxide. Now, what out there needs carbon dioxide to create oxygen? Plants. Plants need carbon dioxide. You see, Joe Biden missed third grade science, or he forgot. So carbon dioxide is necessary in order to have plants and trees and vegetables and fruits and uh, human beings. The idea that eliminating light bulbs or the combustion engine or whatever the hell's next online, gas stoves, is somehow going to take this massive globe in this massive universe with a sun shining upon us and it's going to be able to adjust the climate that takes place now and in 6, 10, 12 years is so pathetically stupid, it's just hard to believe. And so they tell you, you're a climate denier. I'm a climate denier? I can give you a thousand scientists with all kinds of relevant backgrounds who are climate deniers. If I were to ask Joe Biden today, can you name five experts, five of your experts that you're relying on for your policies? He couldn't name one. Could you name any studies? He couldn't name one. Not one. But he's worried about the billionaires. We got to get the You know why he's worried about them? Because he knows you don't give a damn about them. And that if there's a thousand of them, it's a thousand votes. So that's the way he views it. The way I view it. Some of those billionaires employ tens of thousands of you. Some of those billionaires have created things that you need to survive or to improve your life, the quality of your life. That's how people become billionaires. They create stuff like computers, like automobiles. God knows what. So they attack success. They attack capitalism. That's all they know. So that's what he's doing at his major eco economic forum today at the White House. He's preaching socialism. Mark Levin. We're giving you nothing but the best, the best of Mark Levin. My friend uh, Kellyanne Conway was on with my friend Larry Kudlow on the Fox News Channel. And she was saying that DeSantis spends too much time on the culture wars. And my friend Kudlow apparently felt that he'd gone too far, was going too far with Disney. I could not agree with either of them more. I could not disagree with either of them more. Why? Because the culture wars need to be fought, and there's no such thing as fighting them too hard or too often. Because we are surrounded by this poison. 
And when you have a governor who's willing to stand up and fight them and comes under enormous criticism for it, he shouldn't come under criticism from Republicans and conservatives, but he does, particularly establishment Republicans. It's preposterous. So if I were DeSantis, I would ignore their advice. Not that they're establishment. I'm talking about others like Christie and so forth. But I would ignore all their advice. And to keep fighting it. We don't want this crap, this cancer in our classrooms. And the culture is devouring us. And he has the guts to stand up to this. He has the guts to stand up to a company that is based in Los Angeles, California, that is pushing the agenda of its chairman, who is a radical Democrat fundraiser or donor, Bob Iger. And that, that corporation should not be telling us in Florida what to do in our classrooms. You looked at Arkansas, we talked about this last week, and Asa Hutchison, who did absolutely nothing to fight what Walmart did to their classrooms. And they have DEI all over the place now and the propaganda and so forth. This isn't about little hits on TV and he's taking too much criticism and, and Disney, big government, small government. No. And I'll say one other thing, too. Do you remember who ran against Gerald Ford in 1976? Does anybody remember who ran against him in the Republican primary? I'm here at the Reagan Ranch Center. That's a pretty good hint, isn't it? Ronald Reagan, who was governor from 66 to 74, California, decided to take on a sitting Republican president. A sitting Republican president. And he was attacked for this. And so were the people who supported him. I supported him in Pennsylvania. A handful of us did. He should wait his turn. He should get in line. Who does he think he is? He's going to cost us the presidency. Now, of course, Carter won, but Ford was going to lose. And no disrespect to the Ford family, but he was terrible. So it's not an exact parallel. But with all due respect, telling DeSantis that he has to wait. Again, I don't think it's accurate or even good advice, unless he chooses to wait. A lot of things can happen in four years. A whole lot. Other people come on the horizon. Something could happen with family that causes somebody to decide not to run. They have to take care of their... It could be a thousand different things. These things play out, so let them play out. But I don't think President Trump is taking advice from DeSantis supporters, and I don't think it's particularly wise for DeSantis to take advice from Trump supporters. Just saying that. And nobody should take advice from Chris Christie. Because he's a bloated buffoon. He just is. But if they think the argument that DeSantis is fighting too hard to defend America's 
morality, to defend American values, to, to defend the belief system of the American people, to protect children in the classroom, then they've been spending way too much in Washington, D.C. on TV. That's just my opinion. These are strengths, not weaknesses. Strengths. Attorney General Merrick Garland is the senior Biden official and Hunter Biden IRS whistleblower claim. This is a big deal. New York Post, Stephen Nelson. You won't see this on Mediaite, Media Matters, NBC, ABC, CBS. Attorney General Merrick Garland is the unnamed official whose sworn testimony before Congress is being challenged in a bombshell letter from an IRS whistleblower's attorney that also alleges a cover-up in the Hunter Biden criminal investigation the Post has learned. Attorney Mark Little wrote Wednesday that the longtime IRS employee, not just an employee, senior advisory criminal division investigator assigned to the Hunter Biden case, a civil servant who's been around for years, apparently, He's saying that the contradictory sworn testimony to Congress by a senior political appointee, that it was Garland. And he also detailed preferential treatment in the criminal probe of the first son. Garland is a corrupt SOB. That's what he is. He is furious that he didn't get on the Supreme Court. And this is payback. The whistleblower already made disclosures to the inspectors general of the Treasury and Justice Departments, but due to a quirk of federal law, he needs congressional approval to more fully describe his allegations to his own lawyers, which he wants to do before testifying to lawmakers. Garland has repeatedly claimed under oath that Delaware U.S. Attorney David Weiss, a holdover, is able to criminally charge Hunter Biden without the permission of other Justice Department leaders. Despite Republicans challenging the factual accuracy of the claim, Garland in April 2022 told Senator Bill Haggerty, very good guy, that there will not be interference of any political or proper kind in the investigation of Hunter Biden by Weiss. He's the supervisor of this investigation, said Garland, adding we put the investigation in the hands of a Trump appointee from the previous administration who's U.S. attorney for the District of Delaware. In March, Senator Chuck Grassley pressed Garland over whether Weiss was truly able to bring charges without the approval of Justice Department officials, specifically if the alleged crime occurred outside Delaware. In April 2022, you testified to Senator Haggerty that the Hunter Biden investigation was insulated from political interference because it was assigned, as you just told me, to the Delaware U.S. Attorney's Office Grassley said at the time, well, that could be misleading, said Grassley. That could be misleading. Without special counsel authority, he could need permission of another U.S. attorney in certain circumstances to bring charges outside the District of Delaware, which is true. And he said, I want you to clarify. The 70-year-old Garland, a former federal judge, replied that Weiss is able to charge Hunter Biden even for crimes that occurred outside Delaware. Grassley pressed, does the Delaware U.S. attorney 
lack independent charging authority over certain criminal allegations against the president's son outside of Delaware? If it's in another district, he would have to bring the case in another district. But as I said, I've promised to ensure he's able to carry it out. He would need permission to main justice. Now, how do I know that? Because I was an attorney. I was the uh, chief of staff to the attorney general. That's how I know that. Giving false testimony to Congress can be a crime, punishable up to five years. Now, they need to throw the book at Garland because he's thrown the book at Trump. And they're throwing the book at Trump for something much less significant than this. Much less significant than this. The Attorney General is a liar. This is why he's always ambiguous and uh, always misleading in the way that he describes things. And we have a huge problem there at the Department of Justice. It's a big deal.